And now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com, it's time for the Cannabis Reporter Radio Show with Snowden Bishop. Listen in as Snowden interviews cannabis industry pioneers, marijuana experts, policymakers, medical practitioners, patients, and other amazing individuals with compelling stories to share. It all happens right now. Here's the Cannabis Reporter, Snowden Bishop. Welcome back to the Cannabis Reporter. I'm Snowden Bishop, joining you today from sunny Southern California. Getting legislative measures onto state ballots is no easy task. Usually, it begins with an issue, something of great social concern, that prompts advocacy groups or a handful of concerned citizens to take action. Organizers ordinarily start the process by registering an initiative or referendum with a state elections board. Most states require a certain percentage of signatures procured through a petition drive demonstrating public support of the proposed measure before it will be confirmed on the ballot. Sounds pretty simple, right? Well, not exactly. Each measure must have a well-planned implementation in place. For instance, if the ballot initiative is set in motion to change a state's constitutional law, the proposed law needs to be written. The new law must not only pass muster with voters, in some states it must also pass the scrutiny of state legislators. This is especially true of the medical and adult use marijuana laws that have been passed by voters in 25 states and Washington, D.C. These measures are tricky because they contradict federal laws, among other reasons. Also, in anticipation of the eventual legalization of marijuana nationwide, it's becoming more and more important for these state legalization measures to be compatible state by state to avoid chaos when that happens. Today's guest can speak to that, but before I introduce him, Nate Nichols has our Marijuana Minute update about upcoming state ballot initiatives. Thanks, Snowden. So far, 25 states and the District of Columbia have legalized marijuana for medical use. Four states already have legal recreational or adult use marijuana. 2016 is shaping up to be the most exciting year for marijuana legalization yet. Arizona, California, Maine, Massachusetts, and Nevada are all looking to fully legalize. Recent polling finds Arizona, California, and Nevada as the states most likely to legalize for adult use. On the medical side, Florida, which in 2014 fell just short of the necessary 60% of the vote needed to change the law, is trying again to legalize medical marijuana. Missouri and Arkansas also have medical marijuana ballot initiatives this year. A national poll by a university this June found increasing national support for marijuana legalization. 54% of voters support making marijuana legal in the United States, while 41% oppose this idea. There's a gender gap as well, with 60% of men supporting the general legalization of marijuana. In contrast, only 48% of women support legalization. Unsurprisingly, the youngest group of voters shows the strongest support for legalizing. One area most Americans appear to agree on is access to cannabis medicine for veterans. American voters agree overwhelmingly, 87% to 9%. Wow, that's a that's a big percentage right there, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. So today's guest is the Arizona political director for the Marijuana Policy Project, an organization that provides legislative support for state marijuana ballot initiatives, Carlos Alfaro. Thank you for joining us, Carlos. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, Prop 205 and the ways we're working to end marijuana prohibition. Yeah. I First of all, before we get into that, tell us a little bit, because I'm sure that there are a lot of people who really aren't aware 
of just how much the Marijuana Policy Project does. Can you tell us a little bit about that first? For sure. The Marijuana Policy Project has been around for about 25 years, and we've changed laws all around the country. We were uh, very instrumental in the 25 states that have medical marijuana now and the four states that have recreational adult use, including Washington, D.C., um, we came to Arizona with the vision of ending marijuana prohibition here. Um, lots of people looked at us and asked us, well, isn't Arizona very conservative? Isn't this going to be a hard sell? But if we look at history, um, Arizonans have a streak of individuality and independence, and we were one of the first states that actually got medical marijuana passed in the whole country. We passed that measure even in the 90s. Even though it was reversed by the legislature, we still showed strong public support for this um, for this regulation of marijuana and to take out uh, prohibition. So um, we believe 2016 is the year, not only for our state, but for four other states on um, ballots to pass uh, comprehensive marijuana reform and, um, and marijuana prohibition. What better year th- than this year? Yeah, I know. Well, it seems like uh, it's definitely trending in the right direction. And in terms of the support in Arizona, But also, Arizona's been traditionally one of those uh, states that really supports laissez-faire government. And, I mean, doesn't this just go right hand-in-hand with that philosophy? That's right. I mean, when we make marijuana illegal, we're guaranteeing that sales would be uncontrolled and unregulated. Um, This prohibition, this public policy that we've had since the 1930s um, has resulted in fueling the underground market and enriching criminal drug cartels and illegal drug dealers here in our communities. Prohibition hasn't worked, um, and it hasn't worked for decades. We've seen um, the numbers on that. All that it's done is enrich this um, criminal drug cartels. What we're proposing is a laissez-faire free market um, proposition. Instead of using prohibition and laws to con- try to control marijuana very unsuccessfully, why don't we use the market prices, packaging standards, just like we do with alcohol? Nobody out there would be, at least in the right mind, would want to go back to alcohol prohibition for the same reason that marijuana, for the same problems that marijuana prohibition is creating today. So um, this is the perfect state for it, for personal liberty and free markets. Yeah, well, I I would agree with that. And I also think that, you know, we saw a lot of those same problems during the prohibition of of alcohol. I mean, the criminal element, the uh, mafia uh, element really had a, a huge control over that black market and the crime was up and everything else. And it seems as though once prohibition ended for alcohol, that a lot of that went away or turned into something else. But it seems as though we might be facing the same positive uh, positive outcomes with the end of prohibition for marijuana. Do you agree? I completely agree. Instead of that money going to those um, illicit markets, now we're turning it over to legal markets that creates jobs and economic opportunities for Arizonans. Plus, we have a 15% tax that will go on every legal sale um, that will go towards funding public education, that's K-12, through all-day kindergarten programs, which a lot of Arizona's 
families need uh, when you have two jobs and when you have small kids. All day kindergarten programs could be the, the, the factor that, you know, saves you from being in the poor class to the middle class. And so um, we also wanted to fund uh, education programs for our youth to teach them about the relative harms of marijuana, tobacco and alcohol, because we believe education is the way to to go about this issue. We certainly don't want our youth and children to get into marijuana. And one of the ways to do that is by putting these regulations down, by putting the education out there, rather than prohibition and trying fear tactics to never, you know, never know anything about the true essence of what marijuana is and how that compares to other substances that we use while going out on recreation. How different is the Arizona uh, legislation from, uh, let's say, the Colorado? Because I know MPP was uh, instrumental in creating the actual law for Colorado when that passed. Um, Is it pretty much modeled after the same... Uh, piece of legislation, or is it quite different? Well, it certainly looks and tastes the same in the sense that we're regulating it like alcohol. We wanted to give people an idea, a standard of how things are going to be regulated. When you say legalize marijuana, many people get different ideas of what that means, and so we wanted to give that kind of uh, point of reference to voters on how this is going to be regulated. People 21 and over, there's going to be licenses for um, shops. Legitimate business is going to have standards now instead of you know trying to go with prohibition. Um, I guess the the real big difference is the number of stores um, initially that will that will go in in. Colorado, you have thousands of licenses and, and stores all, all around. In um, Arizona, it's going to be a little bit more limited at the beginning, um, but still, to supply our whole patient market, the medical program will be there, and the recreational program will come in um, a little bit early into 2018. One of the things that the prohibitionists have been saying now is that you're working to create a monopoly for existing marijuana businesses. So, do you feel like that's a fair characterization of the initiative, or do you think that oversimplifies a more nuanced situation? It completely oversimplifies. I, I think some stores in Colorado are seeing that that uh, the market can't sustain an unlimited market of uh, of stores, an unlimited number of stores. And so, what we're doing here in, in Arizona is we're starting with a smaller number. However, it's going to be over 160 to begin with. So there's going to be not only the medical dispensaries that there is now, but other people in Arizona, other entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are going to be able to jump into that, not only on the retail side, but on the growth side, on the manufacturing uh, concentrates. Those are all going to be separate licenses with hundreds of business opportunities uh, for people wanting to get into the into the marijuana business. So that's why that characterization is wrong. Uh, on top of that, the monopoly exists when people have supply of something. In Arizona, you will be able to grow up to six plants per person in a household, up to 12 plants per household. So um, there's definitely a lot of opportunities, both in business and personal, to get into the marijuana business after Prop 205 passes. Okay. And, and tell me a little bit about the process of adding this to the ballot in terms of what was it that MPP needed to go through for people who don't know um, in order to get this posed to voters? Sure. So it took months and months of uh, coming to the table, looking at the different laws in Washington and Colorado and D.C., and coming together with activists, business people, political consultants to give um, our law the Arizona feel, the 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 feel that it's going to pass and the feel that it's going to be good for voters and the citizens of Arizona. 
we couldn't get anything done at the legislature. Like many other states, the, the political pressure uh, to, of supporting marijuana comes at a great cost. So instead of going and trying to do it through legislator, legislators and committees and bills, we just went straight to the voters and said, we're going to put this on the ballot initiative as a voter voted initiative we in order to do that here in arizona the rules are different in certain states but in order to do that here we had to collect one hundred and fifty thousand valid signatures from arizona voters um over about over a year it took us to collect all these and we eventually turned in two hundred and fifty eight thousand signatures to the secretary of state um from voters all across arizona wanting an end to prohibition and to regulate marijuana. This is the only reason why we're on the ballot today. There was a few legal challenges that happened. Uh, the opposition wanted to take us off the ballot through uh, a court challenge, and uh, twice they got thrown out of court. So we are definitely on the ballot. We're proud of that. It's taken a lot of work to get here. And so now that we're here, it's just a matter of making the case. I have one other question about uh, litigation. Uh, so I know that the campaign and J.P. Holyoke actually filed a complaint against uh, Michelle Reagan and Mark Ronovich, the attorney general and secretary of state, having to do with the wording in the voter education pamphlet. So could you tell us a little bit about that and what kind of changes you were seeking there? That's right. Yeah. And this was a separate court issue from the opposition. We uh, saw the ballot language that was actually going to go onto the voter ballot that people are going to have to vote on explaining our initiative. And we found a couple errors. One of those errors being that it said uh, people over 21 are allowed to um, have marijuana. The, the, that's a mistake because it's people 21 and over. And so we pointed out uh, a few mistakes like that that were corrected eventually. We also wanted added um, the, uh, the source and where the money's going to go to. When we have a 15% tax and people don't know where that is going to, it needs to be there. So we wanted that to show that it's going to go to K-12 education and public schools. In, in the filing, too, I noticed that you note that that uh, for 11 of the 13 previous ballot initiatives since 1998 in Arizona, when they did identify a new tax, they also said what the revenue would be used That's for. right. Yeah. It, and this is a huge component to this initiative. I mean, we have our revenue source that could be enormous for our state, not only to create jobs and grow our economy, but to fund public education, something that is much needed in this state. We're still at the bottom in the list of uh, states that fund education. We need to change that. And if we don't like taxes, marijuana could be a great way to start pumping millions of dollars on K-12. through There was also something in there about the uh, criminal penalties, correct? They kind of simplify, oversimplified the criminal penalties, maybe. And they, right. They identified them as all uh, less than felonies, which their felony limits do still exist under 205. Very, correct? yes. Yes, they do. And they're, you know, after a certain amount. However, um, we're happy with it, with the way that it came out. I would say that the other than having the schools uh, not be on there, mm-hmm. um, I think Arizonans know what this initiative is about and will come out in large numbers for it. It's our job now here in the next month or two to get the ads out there, the billboards, and all the materials needed so that people know that we're even on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, there's still a big portion of the voter populace that doesn't even know that there's a marijuana initiative on the ballot, but this is the season to do it. Definitely. Right. And also, I think that, you know, there are some questions in people's minds. You know, you've got a medical marijuana law on here. And for those who really um, don't see the merits of, of recreational marijuana, if you will, how is this going to help um, the medical side of things? So we've had the medical side. Um, Prop 203 
that was in 2010. And it was uh, very interesting to, to look at that election because it was a very low voter turnout year. It was an off election year in a Republican conservative revolution year. And yet the Prop 203 that promoted a, a medical program for the state still passed that year. It passed very uh, tightly, right? It, by less than half of a percent. It was about 4,400 votes or so that passed that initiative. Because of that, we've had five years of a, a very efficient and successful medical marijuana program that provides uh, medicine to uh, almost 100,000 patients now or over that. Um, so, we're, we look at that system and it really works well for people that can get into it. Mm -hmm. There is challenges. For example, there's a $300 fee, year, yearly fee, um, or, you know, there's fees that amount to $300. For people that uh, can't afford that, that's a huge problem. There's still conditions that are not uh, covered under the medical marijuana program that should be. Um, this would open it up for those patients there. Um, it would also run alongside the uh, adult use program so that the people that are now enjoying the benefits of Prop 203 continue to have those. But it also opens the door for people who don't qualify under the limited number of conditions for medical marijuana. This sort of opens that door, doesn't it? Definitely. It opens the doors for those people that um, maybe not even thought of that marijuana could help their ailments. Um, and this is, I mean, again... Not only is it opening an, a door for the industry and for more business, but it's opening the door for uh, possible consumers that might not have, uh, have, have thought about marijuana as a possible alternative. Uh, one of these examples being opioid abuse. We have a big problem in this country with opioid abuse. And um, one of the things that has been shown to reduce that abuse is regulating marijuana and changing the law so that we don't have prohibition anymore, but rather we have access. Um, this is something that it comes across the whole country. It's not only West Side or Arizona based. Across the country, about 25% drop in abuse of opioids in states that have relaxed their marijuana laws. Yeah, that's a, that's a significant drop, isn't it? Let me ask you this. You know, as I was saying in the opening, that one of the challenges, I think, when eventually marijuana is legalized nationwide, these measures that MPP is, is proposing to the ballots, are they pretty consistent, do you think, across the states that you're working with? You know, the, I know that there are a lot of differences in some of the state laws. Sure. Um, it seems as though if, if a lot of the state measures aren't pretty consistent state by state, would there be some sort of chaos later on when there is legalization uh, nationwide? Right, yeah. And you want to do it in a way that you set up a correct system, a system that's going to work for the, both the consumer and the business. You don't want an over-regulated system where you can't have businesses and entrepreneurship opportunities appear. Um, but you also don't want a system where um, there is too much out there. Uh, we're seeing that, for example, in the price drop of marijuana in Colorado, many of these shops are now finding it hard to operate because the, the price has fallen so much. That's the market regulation right there. Um, supply and demand. I think that it'll take a little bit of time since we're going from 1937 style prohibition to 2016 regulation. It's going to be, it's going to take a few years. But as we see more states join um, now a majority of states, right, 25, um, 
the regulated systems, I think they'll start looking a lot more uniform um, and it may even work for the people in those states. Those little differences that we see may even work for the states, the particular states where they're taking place. I think it's interesting, too. We've seen a few states now go back to the drawing board and kind of reassess the, some of the tax rates that they set up on marijuana because right. they found that maybe the pricing wasn't low enough to undercut the black market. So people That's were right. still buying marijuana illegally, even though they had access to legal marijuana. And that right there is, I think, a very good argument for markets, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of having a government agency decide, oh, this is going to be the price and this is how we're going to be the store, um, the markets and the consumers decide what that's going to be. And it's beautiful to see a brand new, and we can call it a brand new industry in the U.S., but as we all know, it's been, what, 5,000 years since marijuana has been used both for medical and recreational purposes, something that not a lot of people know. They equate marijuana with heroin or other harmful drugs. Drugs, but they really don't know the, the, the backstory, uh, especially in America. Totally. For instance, you know, the industrial hemp has been used. I think the first uh, recorded use of it was 4000 BC. <laughs> right. You know, and, and also, you know, through the millennia, it's been a number one source of medicine for so many cultures across the board. I learned something the other day, um, which I thought was sort of interesting. The United States Navy had a, a hemp plant that made all of the rope and everything else for, uh, for the military. And it was closed down in 1971 when they passed the, um, the law that basically put hemp and marijuana into the Schedule 1. It was just mm. an interesting, interesting fact. But... Will this particular measure have any impact on the hemp industry itself in Arizona? Not directly. I think in the sense that we're relaxing laws and removing the prohibition, it gets us in a very good um, situation to um, go ahead and relax those laws as well. Um, I think that it's just as important to liberalize that part of business, just as much as we're re- liberalizing the, the retail side and the consumption side. Let's do, let's do it with the industrial size uh, hemp stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of ironic, too, because I think when you look at the history of prohibition, a lot of the prohibition against marijuana itself actually had to do with hemp and uh, kind of the threat that it posed to various other industries. And it's so interesting to look at um, the opponents of marijuana throughout history, right? I mean, uh, when they were proposing to make it illegal in the Congress, um, the Medical Association, the American Medical Association, came out in support of marijuana and against prohibition. I mean, we've done so many changes in who opposes us. And when you look at back then, you have big corporations, you have people that have political interests. When you look at today, it's the same theme, but in a different in a different realm. We have um, an, an opposition today that it looks like they came out of the 1930s, certainly using the same arguments against marijuana and using money from big corporations, specifically big pharma now, to try to squash legalization um, because it will affect their profits. Mm-hmm. Who have been yeah, some of the well, biggest donors against the campaign so far in Arizona? <clears throat> so, uh, last week we got word that Insys Therapeutics, a opioid manufacturer here in Chandler, Arizona, uh, gave a $500,000 contribution to Arizona's for Responsible Drug Policy. Now, if you don't know who these guys are, they call themselves Arizona's for Responsible Drug Policy um, to run a campaign against legalization. They are... Um, 
ads, billboards, um, advertising all around the internet as well to try to scare people away from voting yes on 205 using antiquated uh, arguments and statistics that really don't matter anymore. Um, they gave... Uh, they were given $500,000 from this opioid manufacturer last week, which will go towards these ads. So now we have opioid profits going to squash legalization efforts. This is huge in the sense of um, who we're fighting, because now it's marijuana legalization against big pharma. And I hope people understand that. Didn't the alcohol lobby also put money into the anti-legalization campaign? That's right. The lobby uh, list is... Enormous when you talk about prohibition. I mean, there's so many people benefiting from prohibition. People getting arrested, tried, uh, processed, going to programs. There's so many lobbies and people making money off of prohibition that it's uh, it's not hard to see why there's so much opposition. Um, but uh, thankfully, public opinion sees that now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at an all-time high level where we're at 61% of all Americans agreeing that we need to reform our marijuana laws. This is the peak of um, the, the movement, one could say. And uh, that, that's one of the reasons why they're donating so much money. They're afraid that their prohibition, their programs that has given so much money to them are, are going to go away. It certainly would put a damper on pharmaceutical I I don't think it'll put a damper on alcohol, though. I think that the people who who enjoy alcohol are going to continue to enjoy alcohol. I don't think it's going to replace it. The jury's still out on that, I imagine. But what are what are some of the other um, big challenges? You know, in terms of getting the the measure on the ballot. I know that you had a lot of signatures. And a lot of public support now. What what do you see um, moving forward are going to be some of the other big challenges? Well, we still have a lot. Of, when you talk about elections and politics, we still have a lot of time left until the election. And so that means that starting here at the end of September, early October, you're start, going to start seeing ads on TV. And you're going to start seeing messaging coming from a lot of the media outlets uh, on this issue. And I guess our main task, our main... Um, threat to the initiative is misinformation and lack of information. Um, People who know, especially people on this show and people that listen to this show, that know that marijuana is objectively less harmful than alcohol. It's less toxic, less addictive, less harmful to the body. It's even less likely to lead to violent and reckless behavior. We, We have a responsibility to go out there and talk to our neighbors, friends, and family about why it's so important to stop arresting adults in this country. We like to call ourselves the land of the free, but in Phoenix... Here in our city of Phoenix, we, um, on average, arrest about seven people a day uh, on suspicion of marijuana possession. To me, that doesn't sound like freedom. It sounds like government overreach. It sounds like police state. And that's something that we have to change. There's still a lot of challenges to our personal liberty in Arizona. But, um, again, the biggest challenge is lack of information. We are the only ones that can change that. Yeah, and then you're you're doing a lot of public outreach right now, aren't you? Right. Uh, I'm so happy to see the public support from all across the state. They see a campaign that's well put together, organized with resources, with speakers that speak well and look professional. That's something that uh, might be lacking or might have lacked a long time ago in the legalization movement. But thanks to MPP and the different organizations now involved in our campaign, uh, we look very, very good um, in terms of... Uh, aesthetic and and probabilities of winning this election. 
One of the interesting things to me is I think personally I've seen a little bit of kind of backlash against that style of promoting legalization. And it's been interesting to me to see people that, uh, you know, purport to be legalization advocates that are campaigning against uh, Prop 205. So could you speak to that a little bit on why you think there are members of the activist community that aren't satisfied with this initiative? Sure. And just to to reiterate, uh, most people that are in the marijuana community see us Prop 205 as the legalization effort. There are a few that uh, look at Prop 205 and and say, well, that's not perfect, so I'm not going to support it. And a lot of the people that get into that realm um, have to understand the political uh, consequences of of what they are promoting, right? We have an opportunity this November, in less than two months, to remove marijuana prohibition and to be in a stage where we can talk about regulation, we can talk about taxes, um, all of this stuff becomes a conversation only if we pass. If we don't pass, we're still back to 1937. We're still back to seven arrests a day just in the city of Phoenix. And so to me, I sympathize um, in the sense that uh, I want better reform uh, than what we have right now. Um, I think my bill and, and the... Um, the Prop 205 initiative does get us to a better place to do that. We just can't do everything at once. The first step is let's stop arresting people. Let's put some regulation on the books so that we can make this a viable industry um, and move forward. When you were actually writing the legislation, can you tell me some of the issues that you wanted to make sure were in the legislation as it's written today? What were some of those? We certainly wanted to make sure that this was a market viable initiative so that we could um, set up a system that promotes the supply of marijuana as much as the demand. Um, We wanted there to be job opportunities and uh, entrepreneurship opportunities for Arizonans. And so I think this is what this one does. I think another aspect of that was the growing side of things. Uh, while there was much debate going back and forth as to whether to put grow rights on there, how many, how many um, plants to be allowed and all of that, um, what we came up with was that everybody over 21 should have the right to grow. Um, this is something that shouldn't be negotiable. It's a personal freedom, and we added that on there. Um, thankfully, we have grow, retail, all of the, the benefits of a legalized market are coming to Arizona. So I'm very happy with what came, we came up with. And I, again, I think it's very Arizona-centric in the sense that it plays to our individuality and independence in this state. We don't like government telling us what to do, and especially if they're harassing us. So what we came up with was great on, on the side of the consumers and on the side of the industry. I'm curious to hear more about kind of the viability of the initiative and how likely you think it is to pass. I know we got new polling from uh, the Cronkite uh, Institute recently, and to me, it, it seemed like it was potentially favorable towards the initiative. Yes, correct. Yeah, there was a new poll that came out recently that put us at 50%, the opposition at 40 and 10 undecided. I think it's looking better, and it's something to take into consideration. In Colorado, they didn't pull above 50% until the last month, so we're actually ahead. We have something that I have to hold on to is so many people that are coming and joining our campaign. We have moms, we have teachers, we have doctors, professionals that are coming out and and willing to speak about this issue. The problem with the movement is that most marijuana advocates and consumers are still in the closet. They don't want to be out 
promoting this stuff because of the fear of how they might be looked at. That is being defeated every single day that this campaign becomes more popular. So, for example, you asked me about some of the opportunities that we have coming up. This week, we're going to host a big press conference for women in the marijuana industry. I don't know if many of you knew this, but our industry in marijuana gives more opportunities to women than any other industry out there. I believe 36% of our industry is made up of women, where generally it's only 22%. So um, we want to tout that out. We want to say this is not only a new industry, but new people are getting involved. Um, We also have a presser for people that are more politically based, uh, surgeons and medical professionals, public safety. We have two DEA agents, former DEA agents, that saw how prohibition is inefficient, but also saw who it hurts, right? Keeping people in jail and in handcuffs and keeping people poor because of um, what happens when you get arrested in a felony on your record. Um, So anyways, all these people with their experiences and credentials are coming out to our campaign. That's what encourages me. And what I see from that is that the regular Arizona voter that might not have experience with marijuana, that doesn't know a lot about the issue, is going to look at that and say, yes, I believe in this sensible change as well. You don't have to advocate for marijuana. It's not a question about yes, marijuana or no marijuana. It's do we want to legalize it and regulate it for the benefit of public education and health care? Or do we simply want to continue to keep it illegal for the benefit of drug cartels? What do you think the size of the legal marijuana market in Arizona will be? Do you think it will, and how will it compare to other markets like Colorado? And Well, uh, I, I think it's going to be sizable. The legislature came up with a report earlier this year um, that showed about uh, 500,000 people in Arizona. That's how big the market is. I think that's a little bit more conservative. But even at that the amount of revenue that it would bring to the state would be about $123 million a year in tax revenue, with over $50 million of that going to public education. So it's going to be big. And um, again, funding education is much more preferable than funding an underground market. Um, one of the things I did want to add was that our youth and our children are at risk because of prohibition policies. I know that our opposition is trying to use our kids as as one of their arguments. But really, when you look at uh, the underground market, when young and old people go to buy and purchase marijuana from the uh, drug dealer down the street, they're often shown and pushed to purchase most dangerous, more dangerous drugs, more addictive drugs, opioids, meth, heroin. All of this stuff is in the underground realm. We have to take marijuana away from that because if we don't disconnect marijuana from all these underground markets, it puts our children and, and, and people at risk. They're not checking IDs either, which is another thing is they act like uh, it's going to create easier access for youth when in reality, I think if you talk to almost any high school student, they probably know where they could purchase marijuana illegally right now. Yeah, and we know this. I mean, they get surveyed every year for decades now that's shown that high school students find it very easy or fairly easy to obtain marijuana um, in high school. Um, so this is nothing, uh, prohibition isn't working, it's actually hurting us and it's putting our, our teens at risk. We need to take it away from the underground market. It's been interesting to look at data out of Colorado too, because Colorado suggests kind of the opposite of what prohibitionists are suggesting, and they've seen that teen use has dropped in Colorado since passing legalization. And it makes sense, right? When you put uh, 
legitimate business in charge to put regulation that go- goes with packaging standards, warning signs for consumers, um, ID laws. This is so different from the underground simple market that's happening today. So um, I'm an advocate for this also because not only are we going to stop arresting people, but we're going to have safeguards in place for the consumer, something that has been absent for decades in this country. Right. I think that this particular um, legislation uh, calls for testing and quality assurances too, doesn't it? Correct. Yes. We want, uh, again, the product has to be, you know, pure and safe for the consumer to to ingest. And um, that's one of the dangers of the black market. You don't know where the product is coming from. You don't know what it's been mixed with. And on top of that, you get encouraged to buy more dangerous drugs. We have to take it away. It's fueling it's really fueling the underground market. When Time Magazine did a study on uh, marijuana crossing the border, they did an estimate of about 40 to 50% of drug revenues for drug cartels is coming from marijuana. This is a big portion that is coming from, uh, from this marijuana, and we need to put it in the hands of legitimate business rather than cartels. Tell me about the quality assurances because... I know that in the medical law, there really is no call for testing. And in this particular law, there will be. Can you talk about that? Sure. Well, again, it's it's part of having a, um, a legal product. When you, some people out there, especially some of these marijuana activists that tell me, well, it should be no tax and there should be no regulation because it's great. I believe that what they're saying, they believe it and, and perhaps they grow it themselves and they make it safe enough. Um, but when you make something legal for public consumption, you need to have regulations around it, including safety for the consumer. And that's why this, this calls for testing, because we want to know that the marijuana that's being purchased in legal, that it's being purchased legally is also being tested for, for impurities, right? Any, any sort of, um, uh, impurity that can go with this marijuana could harm the, um, the consumer. So we want to eliminate that. This is just the process of getting a product in the legal realm. Could you tell us a little more about how uh, the program is going to be administered and about the new uh, marijuana commission that's going to be established? Yes. So there's going to be a new commission that uh, will regulate marijuana in Arizona. Um, So the current medical program will be move to this new commission instead of having it go through the Department of Health Services, like alcohol, this is going to have its own board that is going to set regulations on licensing, on packaging standards. It's going to handle the day-to-day for the programs, both the medical side and the recreational side. Um, It will take them about a year to put input all of this uh, regulation and talk about how we are to begin the process of implementing this program, which will probably happen sometime in 2018 when it's fully open. We have retail shops that, uh, you know, open capacity. We have consumers happy. And, um, you know, no longer will law enforcement have to spend their time escorting somebody to jail um, and processing them and arresting them and putting them through the whole thing. Um, now they can focus on, on more serious crimes like theft, like rape, um, so, I mean, again, we can talk about the benefits of legalization all day. Um, how we implement it is going to be important, and this is why the board is, is there. One of, the, one of the things I've been hearing opponents talk about is that this potentially gives too much power to uh, the business owners in the marijuana industry. So are there safeguards in place to you know, make sure that they don't 
hijack the commission and put whatever laws they want in place? Yeah, there's going to be many interests, including consumer interests. Uh, the chairman of the, the board is going to be appointed by the governor himself. Um, there is going to be some safeguards for business, too, uh, because we also don't want an overburdened system where no opportunities can can be made. So there's going to be many interests that go into this, both activist, business, consumer, all coming together to set the regulations necessary for this program and for our state. This is what alcohol does with their boards. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to regulate it that way, because this is going to be consumed and it is consumed in a, in a manner similar to alcohol. There's another aspect of this too, which was not covered in the medical law, but licenses for um, for people who are actually creating edibles and that sort of thing. Can you talk about that? It'll be slightly different than just dispensaries or just growers. Yeah, that also get in the mix. That's true. Um, so it's not just going to be retail licenses, which will be capped at 10%, right? It'll be probably 160, 170 you know, licenses for retail, but there's also going to be four other different licenses given, including growing, including concentrates, like you said, edibles and uh, and moving things around, um, transportation, all of these uh, providing thousands of jobs for Arizonans and, and growing our economy. It's just It just goes to show you the impact of having a new industry in our state be legitimate, right? Not only are people inside the marijuana industry, not only are they going to benefit, but also ancillary businesses around it, real estate, electric companies, electricians, plumbers, all of this is going to be necessary and it's going to create a positive impact into our economy once we have a legitimate system. This is what Prop 205 does and why people should vote for it. So are there additional um, opportunity for people to grow their own as well so that people in income brackets that can't maybe afford their medicine through dispensaries, will they? Will this open the door for more growing? Yeah, that's growing? certainly. Um, this gives the right to anybody over 21, 21 or over, to um, grow their own uh, at their home, if they please. It, now, it has to be under a locked uh, space, and it has to be safe, safely grown. But uh, generally, this anybody over 21 will have this as a right rather than a permission. Um, it's kind of silly to, to put regulations around uh, growing marijuana in your backyard, seeing as it's less harmful than alcohol, it's non-toxic. Um, and this, uh, this initiative allows just for that. Well, I think that'll make a big difference for a lot of people who have trouble affording the medicine out of dispensaries. Yeah, certainly. Who doesn't, who does, wouldn't like their own blend? Uh, just like people being allowed to brew their own beer, um, this will be one of those uh, instances. I think one of the big questions um, a lot of activists have surrounding the initiative still is the role that municipalities are going to play in uh, creating regulation that's city-specific. And so can you speak to that about what powers municipalities will and won't have under Prop 205? Sure, yeah. We wanted to give um, city governments the the power to elect what, uh, what's better for their citizens. Some, some cities, as you've seen with the medical program, allow for more dispensaries than others. We wanted to keep that power within the city. Um, a city will be able to grant uh, unlimited licenses or as many uh, businesses as they want to, and they can also restrict them. However, they can't go, if, for example, if there's a um, medical marijuana dispensary, they can't go in and close that just because Prop 205 happened. It has the protection that if there's already a medical marijuana pro, uh, dispensary in place, that they do not have the power to take it out. However, they do have the power to um, limit the amount of business in their 
in their city for cities that want the jobs and the revenue that comes with a, with the dispensaries in the industry they will get that for cities that don't want that they will also have the the choice to refuse it can they establish city taxes on marijuana as well the the city taxes will be added on top of the 15% tax that's correct and um just for the people that uh, live in those cities that probably won't accept the businesses they the people will still be allowed to grow in those cities this is a personal right that is given with the initiative that's actually good news to some because i know that there are some cities out there uh, right now, which we've seen with the recent um, expanding of licenses, I think the the state was granting about 30, 31 more licenses. Is that correct, Nate? Yes, they're about to yeah, release 31 and, more and before there the were a number of cities that during this process, even though those cities were identified in in the chaws of uh, the jurisdictions where where they were calling for more licenses. Some of these cities didn't permit any licenses whatsoever. Is there any anything in the law that's going to say that they should at least have, you know, one or two or enable their citizens to uh, provide access for the people living there. Well, there certainly, uh, there's nothing that compels a city to do to to you know have a, a shop there. Um, but it also doesn't give them the power to take away the grow rights of somebody in that city. So certainly, a, a city council could have that opinion. But uh, a person that really needs it, a patient uh, that wants to grow it, will still be able to grow it in their in their own backyard. So um, yep. that's something that it grants. Yeah, well, that's that's actually very good news. But mm-hmm. um, is is one of the tasks of MPP to actually go and lobby the city councils to get them to change their mind? Are you doing any of that kind of outreach? Well, right now, uh, the whole all of the resources and the whole focus is to pass the initiative first, and certainly. Okay. Afterwards, it is to um, lobby on behalf of sensible reform for marijuana. We will still continue to be in this state because there are still enemies to the industry and to the consumer here. Certainly, 205 is not the end. It is just the beginning of a robust program and a robust robust law that uh, will encompass Arizona. So um, MPP is here to stay and here to, again, fight and advocate for um, sensible marijuana policy. It's, it's interesting, too. I think there's other groups. Uh, I recently spoke with um, a gentleman, Dustin, who is the head of government relations at Weed Maps, and he's very active right now in California, lobbying uh, California mun- municipal governments because they're in the process of implementing new regulation there. So I think if 205 passes, we'll likely see other groups that are interested in coming in and lobbying totally. for their vision of uh, marijuana legalization as well. Totally. And I mean, it's a reflection of what what's happening in culture. Um, really, I think these laws and these propositions and campaigns are only possible because our culture right now allows for it. Our biggest, ad- our biggest challenge is getting over that stigma, uh, the stigma that marijuana makes you dumb, that marijuana makes you lazy, that it's going to make you do uh, stupid actions. It, it hasn't been proven. It, it, it hasn't been seen. Uh, in fact, we're finding more facts about marijuana now that are positive. And so that's one of the major contributors to defeat the stigma. If we're able to, Prop 205 passes, uh, we have a good system, and now we're in a position to be a, a major lobby to protect the consumers. Uh, but only if we defeat the stigma. We have to get out there and talk to our, our families, our friends, about how maybe what they heard about marijuana in school isn't the correct information. How similar is Arizona's law to Maine, Massachusetts, Nevada, and California, which I know MPP is also 
uh, involved in those initiatives. Certainly. We have five campaigns right now, Massachusetts, Maine, California, Nevada, and Arizona. And, um, you know, we believe we are very confident about all of these. Um, I guess the, the main difference is that the small differences on number of stores and how best to um, put this new law with the medical programs already in existence there. Because the medical programs are a little different, the recreational laws are going to look a little different as well. But it's all under the banner of regulating it like alcohol, of ending marijuana prohibition, and to stop punishing responsible adults for uh, consuming something that is less harmful than alcohol. Marijuana is um, going to be not only a cash crop but not only a medicine for patients, but a freedom that Americans enjoy. Just as the freedom for me to go drink a beer tonight after work or a cocktail with dinner, so is the freedom to, to smoke a joint or to have a little bit of marijuana after work. Um, that's something that we have to tout and um, something that we're furthering with this uh, Prop 205. Well, it seems like it's it's going to succeed. I mean, all poll numbers basically suggest that people are in favor of this. It's just a matter of getting the word out in the right way and making sure that everybody really understands this is not trying to make delinquents out of our children and um, that we're not trying to bring a, a fringe element into our state. <laughs> That's right. I, I mean, this is coming from this is coming from Arizonans, from Arizona families that are sick of seeing uh, the underground market out there of drug dealers being funded through marijuana crops, uh, of uh, marijuana in high schools. Uh, it, we're just tired of of prohibition. It's inefficient because it didn't stop the supply of marijuana. It's count. It's wasteful because it wastes police resources and resources that we could be using towards better things. And it's counterproductive because. Um, it puts our youth and teens at risk. Um, we really need to change our policy. Um, I, like you said, I have um, very strong conviction and uh, confident that this law is going to pass. Um, but there's still that time in between now and November 8th. There's still a lot of people that aren't registered and haven't heard about this initiative. So again, I put a call out to all, everybody that's listening today to make sure that you're registered to vote, so that you're talking to people, your friends and neighbors about Proposition 205, and to make sure you come out to vote. Um, because if the voter turnout is low, we have more of a probability of losing. If the voter yeah. turnout is high, if people come out and know what they're voting for and are informed, that's, that's what gets us uh, the victory there. And, and that's really what's going to be the deciding factor. Are we going to come out to vote? Yeah, I, I would think so. And, it, you know, I think that what you're doing and the outreach that you are doing right now to try to convince people, it, it's, it's really great and it makes such sense. And I really hope for the best for... Uh, for this one, and also in the other states that MPP is working in. I mean, it's an incredible organization, and it seems like uh, you've been on the forefront of this entire movement, you know, with respect to the laws and all of that. It's pretty exciting what's going on right now. I agree. I, I, it is exciting. And I, we get a lot of messages and emails from people every day that want to join the campaign. If you are interested in doing that, uh, our website is regulatemarijuanaaz.org. Uh, we have a campaign store where you can buy t-shirts and signs to show your support. Um, but then also we have a forum where you can sign up to volunteer and get out there to our community and, and tell them about the benefits of ending marijuana prohibition. I think this is time 
to to do it and uh we have great resources to do it we just need the people to come and sign up i encourage everybody that's listening to do so yeah and are you also doing um uh voter registration sign up drives as well correct yes anybody in arizona you have until october 10th to get registered and be able to vote on this initiative. Um, so, uh, again, you could do it online. You could. There's forms out there for it. Uh, we're certainly going to be helping that effort with, along with the campaigns and other organizations that are trying to push the vote this November. Uh, but it really comes down to the individual and your responsibility to go sign up because, um, you know, we've had so much time to, to get this passed that we finally got it on there. We put all our resources behind it. Let's, uh, let's get it done and register. Yes, absolutely. Um, and if there's someone who's concerned about um, the deleterious effects, if you will, of Proposition 205, is there a place where they can write to you or to um, MPP to yeah. express their concerns so that you can actually answer Certainly. and let them know what you know what it is that they're concerned about uh, may not be uh, worth being concerned about. You no, know, certainly. Um, you can find the whole initiative, all of the ballot language, the arguments for this initiative on our website at regulatemarijuana.org. You can also find our contact uh, information on there, and it's actually regulatemarijuanaaz.org. And you can find our contact information. If you don't find the answer in the text, if you don't find the answer in the explanation of the proposition, of course, reach out to us and, and really ask uh, what this is all about, because it has huge implications for the future of Arizona and the future of our industry. Right. Okay. Well, this is really great information. Carlos, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think that we're really, we're very hopeful, and I think that this is going to be good for so many people. And if you'd like to check out the amazing work of the Marijuana Policy Project on a national level, you can visit mpp.org. You could also, um, like he said, visit regulatemarijuanaaz.org to find out more about Prop 205. And to learn more about today's show or download today's episode, visit us online at thecannabisreporter.com. And I'd like to thank Nate Nichols. Thank you so much, Nate, um, for our Marijuana Minute and all of your amazing contributions. And also I'd like to thank Wendy West, our amazing producer at Star Worldwide Networks. And thank you to all of you for listening. I'm Snowden Bishop, the Cannabis Reporter, wishing you an amazing day.